Uh, I'll pray and then we'll look at God's word together. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, please be with me now as I teach your word. Help me to do that faithfully. And as we listen to this psalm tonight, please give us a bigger view of your steadfast shepherd-like love for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Recently, I've been reminded of the beauty of steadfast love. As I've been working from home in lockdown, I've had the chance to observe the deep affection that my four-year-old daughter Esther has for one of our backyard shooks. Uh, As I've watched from the window of my study, I've seen her love express itself in a a number of different ways in the backyard. Uh, Esther will feed the chooks special treats from the garden. She'll carry this chook to different and interesting places in the garden, in the backyard. And she will, of course, give the chook a ride in the pram. Essie will protect this chook from, from enemies. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I... I saw a magpie starting to swoop this chook, and when S saw it, she screamed. She picked up a stick, hurled it at the magpie, then turned around, walked back to the chook, scooped it up in her arms, and took it to a safer area. And just the other day, I found Esther hiding in our garden with this chook, and I had to take a photo because this image just sums it all up. Deep care and affection for that little chook. See, to me, this this is just one of five other chooks that lay me eggs in the morning. But to Esther, that is Ruby, her beloved hen. Now, maybe it's just because Essie's my daughter and I I just find this this sort of love and, and care so compelling. And I suspect maybe some of you do too. See, when we get a glimpse of love like this, it's beautiful to behold. I mean, how many of you wish you had one or two more people in your life who would show you that kind of goodness and love? But see, therein lies the wonderful news of Psalm 23. This psalm says that if you belong to God, you are infinitely more loved, more protected, more blessed than what that photo encapsulates. But David, the author of this psalm, doesn't use a child-chicken metaphor to highlight this to us. He, he goes for something else that would have conjured up similar ideas of steadfast love for the people of his day. He goes for the shepherd-sheep metaphor. See, verse 1, "'The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing.'" Now, shepherds in the ancient world uh, were not like Aussie sheep farmers today. They didn't live uh, in comfortable houses far removed from their mobs of hundreds or possibly thousands of sheep. Ancient shepherds lived among their sheep. The shepherd was everything to the sheep. Uh, The shepherd knew each of their sheep. He fed them. He cared for them. He protected them from predators. Uh, This psalm is asking us to understand God's relationship to his people as that of a devoted shepherd. And so if you're a Christian uh, listening and watching tonight, then I'd encourage you to let this psalm fill you to the brim with reassurance about God's eternal care for you. And if you're not a Christian, then I'd, I'd encourage you 
to see how good it is to be able to say along with David that the Lord is my shepherd too because he can be through trusting in and following Jesus. Now, David gives us four reasons uh, why it's so good to have God as our shepherd. And to sum it up in four points, David says, well, he truly satisfies me, he rightly guides me, he fiercely defends me, and he eternally blesses me. Uh, We'll think about each one of those good things and consider how, as followers of Jesus, we too can claim them as our own. So first, David says, my shepherd truly satisfies me. So you look at the imagery he uses in the first few verses to really draw that out. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Uh, He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. See, God's not throwing the sheep a few scraps in the metaphor here, is he? He has him in lush green fields where he's basically eaten so much that he has to lie down at that point. And he hasn't just filled up a filthy trough with with a bucket of water. The shepherd leads him to where there's cool, fresh water flowing from a quiet stream. See, what's David trying to communicate here about life with God? Well, he's telling us that God deeply cares, richly provides and therefore truly satisfies. God brings a sense of joy, of thankfulness, of contentment to life. That's what David means when he says, the Lord refreshes my soul. See, like sheep in ancient times, David's Lord is everything to David. David knew all his earthly blessings had come from God. He knew all his spiritual blessings had come from God. He, like every other Israelite, had been chosen by God to enjoy a special relationship, covenant relationship, with the creator of the universe. See, David is telling us right at the outset of this psalm that the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence when you have the good shepherd in your life. If you belong to God, you're in the green grass now. But maybe you're thinking at this point, well, hold up a minute, though. Um, I belong to God, like David, but I'm not sure I can say that I lack nothing. I mean, I feel like there's a number of things I lack. I lack a fulfilling career. I lack a genuine friend, actually. I lack a good health. I lack a spouse. I lack being even able to get a haircut right now, though that might change tomorrow. There are plenty of good things I lack. See, maybe that's what you're thinking. But you see, this psalm isn't asking us to simply ignore the reality of our our struggles or our genuine grief over some of the good things that we don't possess. And in fact, David will soon allude to the idea of his own struggles as he talks about walking through the darkest valleys. Now, what this psalm is asking us to do is to see the incomparable glory of what we do have when God is our shepherd. Unparalleled goodness. This true satisfaction of having our deepest human need fulfilled. Life in relationship with God. You see, this is uh, the satisfying life that 
Jesus came to give us. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says, I have come that they, God's sheep, may have life and have it to the full. Jesus came to bring us the life that David speaks of here, the life that truly satisfies, the life that says I am now accepted by the living God through Jesus' death for sins, the life that says I am known and loved by my creator, the spirit-filled life that extends beyond this world into eternity. Uh, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul actually takes some time to remind his readers of some of the earthly things that he has lacked throughout his ministry and life as a Christian. Uh, there in 2 Corinthians 6, Paul lists a number of things that he and his co-workers lacked in their life from an earthly point of view. He speaks of the routine, uh, he speaks of routinely lacking personal freedom, lacking food, lacking comfort, lacking sleep, lacking any kind of social standing. But here's the thing, at the end of all of that list, Paul goes on to say in verse 10, yet we live on having nothing but possessing everything. You see, through faith in Jesus, the Lord had become Paul's shepherd too. Jesus had reconciled Paul the persecutor with the living God he had persecuted. And so in an an ultimate, eternal, spiritual sense, Paul could say, "I, I still possess everything, even when I outwardly look like I possess nothing. See, it's only when the Lord is your shepherd that you can say something as radical as that. But where the Lord isn't your shepherd, it's actually tragically reversed, you see. You can be a person who kind of outwardly has everything, a good job, a great and understanding spouse, honoured by all, a person who has everything yet possesses nothing. Don't let that be you. If the Lord is your shepherd, you have what is truly satisfying, God's life. But second, David says, my shepherd Lord rightly guides me. See, look at what it says in the second part of verse 3 in your Bibles. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Uh, It's a great thing to be on the right path. It's a terrible thing to be on the wrong path. When I first moved to Melbourne, I would always get lost driving places, particularly at night. I would always end up, uh, it always end up the same way. Me driving with the malway, balancing on the steering wheel, dangerously trying to figure out where I was going. See, wandering off the right track and getting lost is disorienting. It's frustrating. It's scary. Well, it's the same when you're lost from God. You see, it can be scary to feel that you're on the wrong path spiritually, to to wonder where you actually might find God, what it actually means to live a life that pleases God, what you, must be, what you must do to be accepted in the hereafter. See, most of us, I suspect, want to be on the right path when it comes to questions like that. And you see, without God's intervention, without him guiding us as to what it is to know him and please him, 
we actually just end up desperately trying to make our own path in life, our own path to God, perhaps. You know, maybe if I'm a good person, I'll be on the right path with God. You see, that path doesn't fill you with a lot of confidence, doesn't it? Because what if... What is good enough for God, the holy God? Maybe if I try and keep as many rules as I can, I'll be on the right path. But what about all the rules I break? Or what about all those things I do instinctively, the, the covetousness, the lust, the kind of hatred? Is he going to look, overlook those things? I'm not sure. See, without the good shepherd guiding us on the right path to himself... We are simply sheep without a shepherd, wandering here and there, lost, desperate, confused. Actually, this is what Jesus saw in people during his earthly ministry. As he was teaching about the kingdom of God, he observed the people he was teaching to. And what he saw actually deeply moved him. You see it in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, in Psalm 23, David sings of the joy of being led by God on the right path. He's not harassed and helpless. He's not wandering around like a spiritually lost sheep on the wrong path. And you see, Jesus, who actually cares about lost sheep, says that if we trust and follow him, we will know David's joy as well. Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way, the right path to God and to heaven. Jesus is the truth. It's as we listen to his word and and live his way that we actually please God and honour his name. Jesus is the life. We are only kept safe as we are walking on the path of trusting him. See, the next time you're on a train or the next time you walk down the street, hopefully that's not too far away, just look around in those moments at all the other people that you're surrounded by and think for a moment how many of them likely do not know the right path to life with God, to the life God offers in Jesus. Think for a moment how many are like sheep without a shepherd, lost in sin and all the confusion about God and life that goes with that. See, how privileged are we to be guided on the right path? We're no better than the, the thousands of other people, of other lost sheep that we live amongst. And yet God, our good shepherd, has found us and he's saved us through the gospel message, showing us the way to life through faith in Jesus, showing us the way to rightly please him through obeying Jesus. And so as we seek to build relationships with our neighbours, with our community, I think we should actually be praying that God would move us with compassion like Jesus and use us to bring other lost sheep into his fold so that they may actually come to know that privilege too and that God's name would be honoured through their faith and obedience to Jesus. My shepherd rightly guides me, but 
But third, David says, my shepherd fiercely defends me. Uh, It was a great moment of fierce passion when I saw uh, Esther defending that shook ruby. Uh, When Ruby was getting attacked by a magpie, as I said earlier, Essie came racing to her defence, screaming with her little voice, uh, throwing her little stick, and then holding that shook with her little arms. Uh, It was a beautiful picture of fierce, passionate protection, but it wasn't exactly a picture of mighty power. See, Esther's puny arms can uh, can only throw so hard and hold so tight. David reminds us in verse 4 that when the Lord uh, that when the Lord's sheep go through the darkest moments of life, when we're in danger, we have a good shepherd who will fiercely defend and keep us with his mighty power. See, look at what he says in verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, like sheep, we are very vulnerable creatures. COVID-19, I think, has reminded us of that. It's shown us that we're more vulnerable to disease than maybe we once thought, more vulnerable to financial ruin, more vulnerable to loneliness. And David, too, thinks of himself as a vulnerable sheep here living in a world of dangers. Uh, And David's life was not free of dark valleys. David, as we read in the scriptures, had moments of crisis and despair. He was viciously persecuted by the jealous King Saul. He He walked many a day in anxiety and loneliness. He even had to walk through the awful consequences of his dreadful sin with Bathsheba. But amidst all of this, David is adamant that he will not fear in light of these darkest valleys, for you are with me. Now, notice what he's not saying. He doesn't say, I will fear no evil because you will take me out of that moment when it comes. No, he says, I will fear no evil for you're with me in it. And that's an important point. God's people are not promised a life free of grief. Like the rest of humankind, we too suffer the effects of this broken world we live in. Ill health, job loss, broken relationships, bereavement, and a host of other dark valleys. But for the Christian, we don't have to be overcome by fear in the face of all of those potentials. For we have our shepherd who has the power to defend and keep us. And he does that with his rod and his staff in this metaphor. That's what David looks to. That's what comforts him. You see, in ancient times, the rod uh, or the club was used by shepherds to beat down predators. If a wolf was biting at the leg of a sheep or some sort of predator, uh, down would come the club on the head of that animal. And the staff was used not so much for defence but for control. If the sheep got a bit spooked and in a confused panic started wandering away from the shepherd, out would come the staff and he'd pull the sheep back in. 
See, this is what you do for me, God, David says. You defend me, you keep me in your care. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. And when God comes to us in the Lord Jesus, we actually see the power of the shepherd's rod and staff in full force for us. You see, think about it. Jesus confronted all of our greatest enemies and basically clubbed them all to death. Jesus powerfully healed the sick. He controlled the unpredictable elements. He cast out evil spirits. He forgave sin and he raised the dead to life. Jesus did all this to show us that sickness, suffering, sin, and not even death will ever have the final word with his sheep. And what is the club that Jesus used to defeat them? It was his death. See, in laying down his life for his sheep, Jesus showed that he was the good shepherd who brings forgiveness of sins and the hope of life in the face of suffering and death. And in rising from the dead, Jesus now lives with his sheep by his spirit. We can now say along with David, I will fear no evil because you, Jesus, are with me. I know you will help me to endure. I know you will sustain me through this. I know you will grow my reliance on God through this. I know you are faithful to keep me through this and take me through all of this world to your glorious home. A couple of years ago, I sat with my dying nana in the Bendigo Hospital and read her this psalm. Now, why did I choose this psalm? Well, it wasn't just because uh, this is a very well-known psalm, which it is, as Andrew mentioned earlier. Uh, I chose this psalm because Psalm 23 told her that God, as her good shepherd, can do for her what no one else can do. See, he is the only one who can defend her in the face of death. He is the only one who can hold her hand and walk through that darkest valley to the other side. A destination which is glorious for those who belong to God. You see, when you think about it, everyone else that has been traveling with you in that moment and holding your hand at the bedside, they all have to turn back at the moment when you die. Uh, The doctor holding a dying person's hand can't go with that person. The beloved child or spouse can't go with that person. Only God can go with that person and keep holding them by the hand. See, God goes with you in that moment if you belong to him. And see, isn't that more precious than all the fame in the world? Wouldn't you rather have that confidence than 50 mansions on 50 different beaches? See, I wanted my nana to know how good it is to have the Lord as her shepherd in a moment like that, to remember his rod and staff and be comforted. See, David wants us to know how good it is to have the good shepherd fiercely defending us against our enemy of death. 
He fiercely defends me. But finally, David says, my shepherd eternally blesses me. Now, did you ever think about the the fact that the man who wrote this psalm, David, is actually still being blessed by God? I mean, he physically died like we all do. We read about his death in the scriptures. Uh, But because he lived his life, from what we read, trusting in his good shepherd, clinging to him in his darker moments, returning to him in his wayward moments, well, David has been enjoying life in the house of his Lord for the past 3,000 years and will be so for the rest of eternity. David experienced the pain of loss, of age, of infirmity and eventually of death itself. But for the past 3,000 years, he has experienced only the unceasing joy of dwelling in the house of his Lord forever. You see, this is the eternal hope that belongs to you if you're one of the sheep of the good shepherd. This is the hope that David drives towards at the end of his psalm. Now, in verse 5, David describes the reality of that eternal blessing in terms of a great victory celebration. In the ancient world, conquering kings would have their leaders uh, or have, have the leaders of their defeated enemies present at their celebration feasts as kind of like testimony to their great might and power in defeating them. And notice how God is doing something similar in verse 5. Look at what it says. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Uh, Growing up in the country, uh, you would occasionally see dead foxes strung up uh, by farmers along barbed wire fence as you drove on country roads. Uh, The farmers would spot these animals on their property, often at night, they'd shoot them, and then they'd string them up. Uh, uh, Foxes are are one of sheep's worst enemies. They particularly love to gobble up little lambs. Uh, But imagine you were a sheep in the paddock next to those foxes strung up there. How happy, how secure would you feel to see one or more of your most deadly enemies hanging up on the fence? You could go about eating your grass in peace, confident in the knowledge that the farmer had actually fully eradicated uh, that threat. And you see that that's part of the blessing that God gives to those who belong to him. Peace and confidence. Uh, We can look forward to an eternal relationship with God, confident that our greatest enemy of sin and death won't come back to raise their ugly heads again in the future. They have been defeated by Jesus at the cross, where he won for us forgiveness of sin and eternal life with God. As people in fellowship with God, we can look at our enemy of death as though it were now hanging on a fence, defeated. And as we look at that enemy, defeated, hanging up there, we can say with Paul, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, our good shepherd strings up our greatest enemy, 
Uh, and we can enjoy confidence in that and the blessings that come with it. And we really do get a picture of blessings here. Now, I have to admit that the idea of someone inviting me over for dinner and then pouring oil on my head and then filling up my cup so full that it spills over the edge, that doesn't immediately sound great to me. But actually, these are ancient metaphors that are trying to capture the idea of just sheer abundance. Guests of honour were anointed with oil in ancient times. An overflowing cup was... Uh, suggests no shortage of supply. God is telling us here that he's not stingy with us. He's abundantly generous to us. And we, we see that now in the blessings that he gives us of forgiveness of sin, the gift of his spirit, adoption into his family. And we'll see it in greater glory as we come into the house of the Lord in eternity, where sin and suffering will be no more. God's blessings always follow God's sheep. Now and into eternity, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, Psalm 23 is showing us how good it is to live with the Lord as your shepherd. If you know and follow Jesus, and if you've been made one of his sheep, you can say with David, I have the one who truly satisfies me, who rightly guides me, who fiercely defends me, and who eternally blesses me. Now, just in closing, maybe you're listening tonight and you're not yet a Christian. In fact, maybe you're still trying to figure out what you think of God. Well, my encouragement for you tonight is to let this picture of God inform your understanding See, I think many people go through our world with an inadequate and unbiblical view of God. See, sometimes God is thought of as distant or removed from us and from his creation, not really that interested in us. Sometimes he's thought of as unknowable. Sometimes God is thought of as unceasingly wrathful with no room for mercy or grace. Uh, In the TV sitcom Seinfeld, George Costanza sums up this view of God in a conversation with his therapist. He says, God would never let me be successful. He'd kill me first. He'd never let me be happy. And she says, I thought you didn't believe in God. And he says, I do for the bad things. See, in George's view, God is more about punishing than he is about blessing. And maybe that sums up your view of God too. Just a little bit out to get you. Or at best, very reluctant to take any notice of you or, or perhaps do you any good. But see, when you come to know Jesus as your good shepherd and realize how, uh, you, you come to realize how that view of God is actually so far from the truth. In fact, Jesus says in John chapter 10 that it's the thief who comes to kill and destroy people. He, he is the good shepherd who is himself killed for the good of the lost sheep. See, as you come to know Jesus, you will come to see the truth of this psalm that that God is not distant to his people, but close and relational. 
He's not unknowable, but, but knowable in the person of Jesus. He's not wrathful and vengeful on his sheep, but gracious and forgiving on account of Jesus. See, don't miss out on something good. Come to know Jesus. Investigate him further so that you can come to know God as your living and true good shepherd. Uh, But if you're already a follower of Jesus, then I'd encourage you to keep coming back to this idea uh, of the shepherd to remind you of God's steadfast love and commitment to you. Because that is what we need uh, more than anything right now, I think. See, our community has been radically changed over the past seven months. Uh, For seven months, we have basically been relating to each other through a computer screen most of the time. And though there may be some hope in sight for change, like, what will we do if there was a third wave and more restrictions? See, I suspect for some of you that thought is just overwhelming. I kind of think that. But this psalm gives us the antidote uh, to, to being overwhelmed by that. It reminds us that even amidst that dreadful thought, we as Jesus people can still say, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. My shepherd still offers the life which truly satisfies, even when so many things are denied to us. My shepherd still guides me on the right paths, even when so many others feel disoriented by such a great upheaval in our world. My shepherd still walks with me as a strong defender when I feel sort of beaten down by this dark and isolating valley. My shepherd will take me to a glorious eternity one day beyond this world. I'll no longer feel isolated in my house. Instead, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There, there won't be any uh, pain or suffering or loneliness, just ultimate blessing, ultimate freedom and ultimate fellowship again with the rest of God's sheep. See, we need to keep remembering that God is a shepherd to us. See, I love this picture of Esther. I love how it captures her care for that chook. But that picture has got nothing on the picture of God's shepherd-like love that Psalm 23 gives us. So let's go into this week Confident that in Jesus, God, our good shepherd, holds us in his greater arms and be thankful. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, thank you that through faith in Jesus, we can know you as our shepherd, Lord. Thank you that you are so good to us as our shepherd. Thank you that you truly satisfy us, that you rightly guide us that you fiercely defend us from our greatest enemies and that you eternally bless us. We praise you that your goodness and love will follow us all the days of our life and that we will dwell in the house of the Lord, your house, forever. Amen.